somebody here that is greater than the Kansas City Chiefs. There's somebody here today that is greater than the 49ers. And that is the Lord Jesus Christ, the mighty God. Hallelujah. Oh God. He is so good. He is so great. Hallelujah. He is worthy, church, of our praise. Because when we are in need, we can run to him. We can't go to that favorite football team, but we can go to Jesus. And he can help us. And he can meet our needs. Hallelujah. Come on. Let's praise the Lord. Because he is worthy. Oh, God, he is worthy. Amen. We're going to get ready to go before him today in prayer to give you an opportunity to allow the Lord to meet your needs. 
it is through prayer that God is able to work in our lives. So we we'll thank God for the, for the avenue of prayer. And as we go before him today, we want to pray for our pastors, brother and sister Rosen. So always lift them up before the Lord. Always pray for their health, their strength, their well-being. Pray that God would keep them renewed and revived so that they can pour into our lives the things that we need from God. Also, let's remember our missionaries. Let's pray for the tears, brother and sister tear. Also, brother Michael Washington, pray for their protection. Pray that God will also provide their needs. And also this morning, let's pray for our evangelist brother Gordon and sister Gordon and their ministry. That God will continue to bless them and open doors for them as well. And there are many that are sick. Let's pray for brother Quinn Richards that he... Trevor Riches need a touch from the Lord today, and there may be others that need a touch in their body, but I know God is able to heal. He's a healer. Also, let's continue to pray for the harvest, amen, that God will send neighbors into the harvest field, and that God will con continue to draw men and women unto himself today. How many of you need something from the Lord today? Amen. God knows exactly what our need is, and I believe that as we raise our hands in faith, God is already working on our behalf for that need right now. So let's go before the Lord together for these requests that we have today. Let's pray together. Lord Jesus, we thank you today. We praise you this morning and we give you praise and glory and honor for the opportunity, Lord, to be able to come into your presence to lift up your name today. And Father, you said in your word that when two or three are gathered together in your name that you're in the midst. And we're thankful that you're being in the midst of us today. And we're thankful that you're a God that heareth prayer. And God, as we pray today, we pray for our pastors, brother and sister Rosen. And God, we ask you to bless them today. Keep your hand upon them, God. We thank you for the strength that you impart to them. We thank you for the wisdom that you give to them. We thank you for the health and strength, oh God, that you give to them as well in the protection. And God, today in Jesus' name, we pray for our missionaries, oh God. We pray and thank you for these men and women, God, that goes that are willing to, to deny themselves and go into the world and preach the gospel. I pray that in Jesus' name that you will watch over them today, Brother Tears and Brother and Sister Tears and Brother Mike Washington and, and, the, and the North American missionaries and the global missionaries, God. Put angels around them and protect them in all of their ways. And God, this morning in the name of Jesus, we pray for Brother and Sister Gordon and their ministry. We thank you, God, for how you use them and what you're doing in their lives. And God, we thank you, Lord, today. God, bless them today. And God, we pray for the sick. In the shed-in, like Brother Quinn Richards need a touch today. There are others that need a touch in their body, God. And God, we pray that you will heal them and you will touch them. And, and that, God, that you are working in our lives right now. And God, we thank you for the harvest. We thank you, God, for those that you are dealing with right now. Those that you are drawing by your spirit. God, those that are hungry for the gospel of Jesus Christ. We thank you, God, for those that preach the word. And God, we thank you that, God, that there's going to be a revival. We thank you that there's going to be a harvest of souls. My God, in the name of Jesus, we pray today for every hand that was lifted up, every need in this sanctuary, every person. My God, that you will continue to meet their needs. You will continue to heal. You will continue to strengthen. You will continue to encourage and make whole today. And we thank you, God, for all that you're going to do today in this service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Clap your hands and give him some praise. Hallelujah. Once a month, I have the privilege of coming up here and 
talking to you about missions. This is our mission Sunday. And today we have a special treat. Um, we have a brother from our own church that is now has been promoted to an associate in missions, Brother Michael Washington. So we're really proud of him. He now is in Baku, which is a country in Middle East, a Middle Eastern country. I'm actually not sure where that is, but he's in Baku. But hopefully, God willing, he'll be home in July, late July, July. So we'll be able to see him in person. But he's going to talk to us this morning from Baku. Praise the Lord, Church of Pentecost family. I'm so excited to be able to reconnect with you and tell you about all the exciting things going on. I cannot believe that it's already been eight months. Time has flown by. I will be home in the summer and to see all of you smiling faces. And uh, I love you all very much. Of course, I am living in Baku, Azerbaijan, but I am taking trips into Central Asia and all of the seven nations there, including Afghanistan and Azerbaijan. And so that is what uh, I encompass, all of those nations as well, with my supervising uh, rep. But this year has just come off to a very hot start. We had a, a family that uh, fled their country. I won't say the name of their country. Uh, they came to uh, Baku uh, for religious asylum. Uh, they are a Christian family. The, the man proclaimed his faith for being a Christian, and they threw him in jail and burned his house down. His wife had to act as a lawyer. She falsified that she was a lawyer to break him out of prison, to get him out of prison. And then they fled here to Azerbaijan. We uh, connected with them. The team here connected with this family. Uh, the man wanted to know more about oneness, formerly Trinitarian, taught him a study. He received a revelation, got filled with the Holy Ghost, and said he wanted to be baptized immediately. He ran home, told his wife, told his three oldest children. He has four children in, in total. And they, within three hours, they came back to where the house where we were uh, teaching the study. And they said, we all want to get baptized. So him, his wife, his three children all got baptized in the name of Jesus. This was just two weeks ago. Absolutely insane. A month ago, we had two men from Turkmenistan. They came to Azerbaijan to get a procedure. One of the men, uh, he's blind, so he came to get a procedure for his eyes. They got connected with us as oneness believers. They're formerly Trinitarian, and we taught them a study. They received revelation. Both of them got baptized in the name of Jesus. And now the, the man that was blind, he, is, he was a, a Trinitarian pastor, he went back to Turkmenistan and started teaching them oneness. Now, underground believers in Turkmenistan are receiving oneness revelation, and they're having a huge revival in those nations. And we're sending him all kind of material. We're sending him Purpose Institute. We're sending him GATS, Global Association of Theological Studies. We're sending him all the, 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 the work that we have, the uh, Bible things that we have that's in Russian to help uh, with the movement there that is catching fire in Turkmenistan and there's so many other things going on in Central Asian nations. We recently went to Tajikistan and the border of Afghanistan to open up some works there. We're having a conference in March that's going to be in Tajikistan and Afghanistan to reach both of those groups of people. There's just amazing, incredible things going on in this side of the world. And 
half of this stuff I can't put in my newsletter. It's not on social media. You're not going to read about this stuff just because of how volatile these nations are. But I just need y'all to know that I am safe. The team here is safe. God is in control. I am blessed. I am honored. I am privileged to work here. Thank you all for your prayers. Your prayers have made a difference. And I feel the love over here. And we all feel the prayers over here. God is doing an amazing, incredible thing. When I come back in the summer, I will be able to tell you fully about all that's going on because it will not be on social media. And I want to worry about a, a post or newsletter to, in order to tell you the great, mighty things that God is doing. I love you all very much. Have a blessed day and a blessed week, and I will see you very, very soon. Bye-bye. Amen. That was wonderful. Praise the Lord. See, uh, Sister Blood, that's great. Uh, thank you so much for sharing that. Uh, with us. Uh, definitely keep um, brother and sister Washington um, in prayers. You know, that is their only son. So uh, I know that that is tough uh, seeing him out there, but I know that uh, we are confident he's doing the Lord's will. So continue to keep him uh, in prayer. Amen. Praise the Lord. Man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday. Let me say it one more time. Man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord on a Sunday morning. Praise the Lord. I am so glad that you are all here. To all of our guests, we give you honor uh, for being here and joining us on behalf of our pastors, Rick and Alexa Olson. Can we give all of our guests a round of applause? Thank you so much for being here. Praise the Lord. I know that the Lord is going to move and you are in the right place. At the right time, so there's no accident you're in this place this morning, so uh, uh, please don't be in a rush. We would love to meet and fellowship with you after uh, service this morning. Uh, we're also glad to have uh, Brother and Sister Spencer, I'm sorry, Brother and Sister Jordan with us. He has two first names. This kind of throws me off every single time. We are so glad our evangelist is here uh, with us, and he'll be ministering to us here mom momentarily in our AM and uh, PM service. Amen. I do have a few uh, announcements to make this morning. Um, actually, let's talk about revival. Uh, on Wednesday, we're going to be starting day one of revival with uh, evangelist brother Nick Mahaney. Yes, that'll be on Wednesday, uh, the 14th, and then again on Friday, which is the 16th, and then in the a.m. and p.m. service uh, of next Sunday, our evangelist brother Nick Mahaney. So if you haven't already uh, made plans or uh, started inviting and uh, sharing this with your community, with folks that you work with, this would be a great opportunity to invite someone to join us here at Church of Pentecost. Amen? Praise the Lord. And I do want to talk briefly. I want to make a quick announcement in the interest of time regarding uh, our Save Our Children Our Save Our Children Fund Drive, for those of you that do not know, uh, Save Our Children is uh, a fundraiser that we do every year here at Church of Pentecost, and it is the financial lifeline of children's ministry in both the district and as well as on uh, the national uh, level. So I do have a short video, if we can run that, Brother Leo, uh, take a look. God knew 
before he formed me in my mother's womb. ministry. My gifts. I can pray. Before I can preach. He knew I would change the world. My personality. Before I can plant churches. I can plant seeds. Some people think we're too young, but we have to start somewhere. We're not the church of the future, we're the church of now. Because what happens next starts now. Start now. Help us reach our goal of $4 million for SOC. Visit upcichildrensministries.org to find out how you can get involved. Amen. <laughs> how many appreciate uh, children and young people? As seen in the video uh, and as mentioned, you know, Save Our Children is a big part of uh, Church of Pentecost, and last year, uh, your, your giving, your generosity uh, placed this church as uh, the top, in the top 10, number six, matter of fact, uh, for all the giving churches here in the state of Florida. Uh, so on behalf of Brother and Sister Olson, thank you so much for uh, your giving uh, last year, and because you gave, 11 quiz teams were sponsored and participated in the North American Bible Quizzing uh, Tournament last year. Uh, 15 North American missions churches were supported with Sunday school curriculum. Uh, during our camp season, which is the 8- and 12-year-old camps, there was reported 43 young people receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost during those camps, as well as 62 young people receiving the gift of the Holy Ghost across several Holy Ghost crusades across the state of Florida. So your giving has helped in all those areas. So here at uh, Church of Pentecost, uh, we've, uh, over the years, we've done the pledge cards or the, the quarter cards, you all remember, and we would kind of $10 our way towards our goal, right? You fill out this card and it'd be $10, but again, I begin to think to myself, uh, perhaps I'm not doing you guys the proper service, excuse me. So what we're going to do differently this year, if you'll notice, there's these pledge cards uh, here at the front, and now these pledge cards, they're uh, there are 98 cards up here because our pastor has already taken two of these. So there's 98 cards at ranging in $2 increments from $2 to $200 would be the largest denomination. So if every one of these pledge cards was picked up, we would have raised $10,100. Now, a quick count, there's about, there's about 95 of us in this room right now. So what we're, what we're asking what we're asking is for every uh, family, a husband and a wife, for any uh, young people uh, that would like to, to take part, is to trust the Lord and to take a pledge. 
to take a pledge. And very simply, we're not going to, you know my style, I'm not going to beat you over the head. That's not what a pledge is all about. You're pledging basically that I want to be a part of this dynamic ministry, and this is the mechanism to do so. So we're going to take up our offering here in just a moment. And actually, Brother Leo, I have one more uh, slide you can show that. And we have actually some, a little, a brief testimonial from our own uh, pastor. This was in a, uh, in some material, promotional material that was sent out to the district. And if you can't read that, our own pastor, he says, the Save Our Children campaign is more important than it ever was because our enemy is working harder than he has, he ever has. So together, let's make a lasting impact both in this world and in the spiritual lives of our precious children. Pastor Rick Olson. So if you're interested about more, isn't that cool? So if you're interested in learning more about Save Our Children, there's a little QR code there, a little phone number you can dial in and get more information. But I am confident uh, that we can get all these cards picked up, maybe even this morning. <laughs> so I thank you in advance for your, for your giving, if our ushers can make their way and we can take up this morning's offering. Praise God. In the book of Psalms 1, 16 and 12, it simply says, What shall I render unto the Lord for all of his benefits towards me? So in other words, how can I give back to the Lord for all that he has done in my life, things that I can see and things that have not happened as of yet? So this is that opportunity for all of us to, to give out of obedience and sacrifice to the Lord. Let's go before the Lord in prayer, shall we? Lord, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this time, this opportunity to gather in this place this morning, Lord. Lord God, as we're, we're coming to, to take our pledges, Lord God, to honor, Lord God, to uh, support, Lord, the children of, of this world and of our communities, Lord God, we ask you, Lord God, that you'll touch the hearts and the minds of those that are here. Lord God, we know that you are moving in all of our lives. We are our blessed a blessed congregation, Lord God, and you always have showed us, Lord God, the way to provide wealth as written in your scriptures. So, Lord, as we bring our tithes and our offerings this morning, we ask it, Lord God, to be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. In your precious and holy name we pray, in Jesus' name. Can we put our hands together one more time and please come and take a pledge. God bless.
wait on you, Jesus. And I'm not turning back now. 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 I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus. I'm gonna wait on you, Jesus.
Captives can't get seen, but if we stick long enough, they might join in with us. This might be a dance that's too heavy for those chains, but if we dance long enough, well, the prisons will open up. walls might finally fall they may need some help to lift their hands up in the air but we know that freedom's coming so we'll sing it all the more we're singing oh, oh, oh. the redeemed now have a song we'll sing it all day long to the rest of the running home oh, 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 oh. on the broken can you hear shout it out forever can't wait till you make it here
our praise. Mountains, get out of our way. Can't you see us dancing? There's no room for you to stay. Songs start to break at the sound of our voices, at the sound of our praise. Mountains, get out of our way. Can't you see us dancing? There's no room for you to stay. Hallelujah, sing that right now. At the sound of our voices, at the sound of our praise. everybody. Amen. On behalf of Pastor and Sister Rosen, it's so good to have Evangelist Brother Spencer Jordan here and also Sister Jordan here this morning. 
with us, and uh, Brother Jordan is going to come and preach the Word of God to us this morning. And we're not just spectators, but we're participators. So I want you to come and just praise the Lord as Brother Jordan come and preach the Word of God. Brother Jordan, won't you come and let the God have his way? Amen. Praise the Lord, everybody. Are you glad to be in the house of the Lord today? Come on, if we're not glad, we might as well not be here. David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Amen, amen, amen. I'm so glad to be here today again, and I give honor to Pastor and Sister Olson. Uh, What wonderful leadership that you have. Thank you, Pastor Cole. And uh, to Brother and Sister Cole, thank you so much for your help this weekend. And we give you honor to all the ministering brethren and leaders. You've got a great church. Amen. That's okay. We can clap about that. Amen. We're a blessed people, and you're a blessed congregation. The Lord's been good. I'd like to take you today to Luke, the 10th chapter. And as you're going there with me, I give honor today as well to my wife. Um, So glad to have Caitlin with me. Luke, the 10th chapter, beginning uh, around verse 25. Amen, amen. Got to say, since we were here last, the weather has gotten a little bit better. Amen. He hears our prayers. Amen. Amen. I'll back you up just a couple of verses. We'll start around Luke 10 and verse 23. And he turned him unto his disciples and said privately, Blessed are the eyes which see the things that you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings have desired to see those things which you see and have not seen them, and to hear those things which you hear and have not heard them. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tempted him, saying, Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He said unto him, What is written in the law, and how readest thou? He answered and said, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and all thy soul, and all thy strength, and with all thy mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. And he said unto him, Thou hast answered right, this do, and thou shalt live. I'm sure at this moment this man was very proud of his response. He had, he had hit it right on the nail to love God with his whole heart, with his soul, with his strength, with his mind. Love his neighbor as himself, but willing to justify himself. I never want to be in the presence of God willing to justify myself. He said unto Jesus, who is my neighbor? I want to preach to you on that topic today, who's my neighbor Would you just set your Bible down, lift your hands to the Lord. God, we love you. Lord, we thank you for your presence that is here. Thank you for the way that you've already met us here. Thank you for the work that you're doing, the testimonies we've heard. 
Thank you for the worship that's gone forth today. We need to receive from you your word. And we pray in the name of the Lord for the preparation of our hearts that we'd be ready to receive and that you would speak to us. In Jesus' name we pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated today. Amen. This man was was posing an important question. It's a question that we've all got to come to the point of asking. Master, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? He recognized that there was a response to the words that that he had heard. It was not enough just to believe the words But he recognized that there was something that he had to do about believing. I'm thankful today we can respond to the preached word of God. Amen. If you've never been baptized in the name of Jesus, that's a response to hearing the word. If you've never repented of your sins, that's a response, an important response to hearing the word of God. We respond to the gospel He asked us, uh, he he asked Jesus what it was that he was to do. And Jesus, knowing all things and knowing this man's heart, knowing this man's intention, knowing too how this man would attempt to justify himself, Jesus flipped the question and asked him, What is it that you read? Well, I can imagine he straightened his jacket and his tie. Maybe it was closer to a tunic and a a robe. And he was very proud of the fact that he had the answer. He had a good answer. I, I would have been impressed by the answer if I was standing there. Going to love God with your whole might, with your soul, with your strength. And I even see a little bit further than that. Love my neighbor as myself. What a, what a weighty call. What, what a heavy thing to bear. That, that somehow through the frailty of my human flesh, of my fallen state of being in a fallen world, God's going to enable me to love him with all of my strength, with all of my heart. With all of my soul, with all of my might. It's kind of hard to do anything with every ounce of our being. We're so distracted. We're so pulled in other directions. But this man understood the matter that the law was pertaining to. we, We talked a little bit about this last week. This loving God and loving your neighbor who is made in the image of God. But the, the scripture tells us a little bit about this man. He was a lawyer. And, and in that he was a lawyer, he was sharp with his words. He was, he was quick to build a case. He was willing to justify himself. He was willing to plead innocent. And, and, and surely none of us are innocent. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. He felt pretty good about his answer. He felt pretty good that he loved God with his strength, with his might, even that he had loved his neighbor. 
then he throws the question out to Jesus. Wait a minute. So love your neighbor as yourself. But, but who's my neighbor? I, I got you there. I got you. Is it, is it the man that lives next door? I like him. I like him. Now, the, the lady two doors down, is she my neighbor? I, I really hope not. He was willing to justify himself. As he said this, I'm sure faces and names had crossed his mind of, of people that he didn't love quite as much as his neighbor. Or, or maybe maybe it was a wealthy man. Maybe he had land. Maybe there were no neighbors. That would have been a that would have been a clever one. Wait, I got you. Love my neighbor as myself. I have no neighbors. And, and, and so Jesus, he answers this question so perfectly as he would always do. And he tells them a parable. This parable begins in the 30th verse. Jesus answered this man. He said this. He said a, a certain man went down from Jerusalem to Jericho. He fell among thieves, which stripped him of his raiment, wounded him, departed, leaving him half dead. By chance, there came a certain priest that way. And when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Likewise, a Levite, when he was at the place, came and looked on him and passed by on the other side. You've got to understand about this, this pathway from Jerusalem to Jericho that there are points in the pathway that are so incredibly narrow that in order to um, pass by an individual, you might quite literally have to step over the top of them. We don't know where the priest was on this journey. Responsible, the man responsible for the priestly duties. And we don't know where the Levite was on this journey. Maybe it was in a narrow portion, maybe it wasn't. But this Levite was responsible for the duties of worship. And, and both of these men who were responsible for priestly duties and worship should have very well known what to do when they passed a man that was beaten, broken, and left for dead. Yet they did what so often we do, and they did what many would do. This is, in fact, what the law produced. It produced because we are imperfect, because we are unable to live um, up to the standard of the law. This would so often produce a self-righteousness that they would attempt to live by the letter of the law. They would attempt to catch other people and where they might misstep the law, but they were missing the whole matter of the law. This matter of loving God and loving your brother, as we talked about last week, and, and today the way that we're talking about it is in a similar fashion. It's loving God with your strength, with your might, with all of your being, loving your neighbor as yourself. Maybe these men, as they passed by and they considered uh, such an admonition of Scripture, such a, a ultimate 
thing that the law was pointing to. Maybe as they, as they passed by that man willing to justify themselves, maybe they considered the same question. I, I don't know this man. I, I've never seen this man in my life. This man certainly is not my neighbor. I, I couldn't tell you where this man came from. Maybe as they, as they basked in their self-righteousness, maybe they even, even said things like, I don't even know where this man has been. I, I don't want to defile myself by interacting with this man. I, I, maybe this man has enemies. It certainly looks like it. May, maybe he even did things to end up in the place that he is. So I'm going to avoid this man. I'm going to avoid this situation. And you can imagine as they went about their way and they approached this man that as, as quickly as they could, they passed through to the other side as to avoid having to encounter this man. And, 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 and so we're, we're getting a lot of information here in the story. I'll, I'll tell you one aspect of what Jesus is describing is he's describing the treatment of the beaten, the broken, the lost, the afflicted under the law by the Pharisees and such like. He's describing the fact that in their self-righteousness, they would avoid loving their brother just like this man willing to justify themselves they will, will avoid loving whom they are called to love. They were refusing to defile themselves. They passed by on the other side. And, and then Jesus tells us about another man. Verse 33, a certain Samaritan, as he journeyed, came where he was. He saw him, he had compassion on him. He went to him and bound up his wounds. Pouring in oil and wine, set him on his own beast. And, and I want to be clear today what that scripture means. When it says his own beast, it doesn't mean that he had another horse or donkey accompanying him. And, and, and he put the man on his own donkey or, or his own horse and continued riding the horse that he was riding. It literally meant that whatever beast the man was riding, he, he, he got off of that beast. And he offered that beast to this man. And he set the man on his very own beast. That you just, just picture the hospitality that, that this, this certain Samaritan was having. He finds a man that he did not know. He finds a man that he did not know how he got there. He finds this man that he did not know what he did or what he didn't do to deserve being in that place. And when he finds this man, he has compassion on him. He, he ministers to him. He begins to minister to his wounds, binding up the wounds, pouring in oil and wine, Stepping down from riding the, the beast, the, whatever it might have been. It might have been a donkey. It might have been a camel. It, it might have been a high horse. He was willing to come up off that high horse. And he was willing to put the Samaritan, or, or rather put the man uh, that was beaten and broken and left by the wayside on his very own beast. And, and, and then the scripture tells us he brought him to an inn. He took care of him there. 
on the morrow when he departed, he took out two pence, that was money in that day, gave them to the host, this was the host of the inn, and said unto him, take care of him. Whatever you spend more when I come again, I will repay thee. And then he asks the question to this lawyer. Which of these men thinkest thou was neighbor unto him that fell among thieves? And he said, he that showed mercy on him. And Jesus said unto him, he didn't just say correct, you got it right. He said to this this very proud man, this man that was willing to justify himself, he said, now go and do Thou likewise. There's so much in this passage of Scripture. First of all, I could just shout today knowing that Jesus is that certain Samaritan. Not not a Samaritan by blood or lineage, but often called a Samaritan because of the uncertainties surrounding his birth. It It was sort of a slur that was used, and, and, and so often the Pharisees labeled him as a Samaritan. And I love what Jesus does with this in, in that they labeled him as a Samaritan. He puts himself in the role of this story as that certain Samaritan. The Samaritan that when the priest passed by and when the Levite passed by and when the law did not fulfill the ultimate law, of love, when the law, so often under the law, people would just simply step over or pass by the beaten and the broken, that Jesus came. And he, and, and he came, that journey's a certain journey. You see, during that journey, it's only a 15-mile journey, but, but it, it drops 3,500 feet over a, a short 15 miles from Jerusalem, which is set on high, to Jericho, which is a lower place. And, 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 and as I study that, I can't help but get excited that, that Jesus came from an on high place. He came from that city of God. He, he came from that place on high, and he lowered himself. And on that journey, he would come across so many people that were that 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 first of all I know that the man had fell and 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 so often we 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 mistreat and avoid situations where people have fallen but but I want to know what the Samaritan did about the man that had fell this man had fell and this man had been stripped of his raiment this man had been wounded and this man was left alone A fallen man, a stripped man, a wounded man, and a man that was alone. But when this certain Samaritan, not just any other Samaritan, not just an average Samaritan, certainly not a Samaritan like you or I, but this certain Samaritan, when he found this man, he began to bind up those wounds. He began to pour in oil and wine. When I read about that pouring in of oil and wine, often in the scripture that oil and wine is is a picture of his spirit and of his ministering presence. He poured in the oil and wine. He bound up his wounds. He, he, he gave up his own beast, and he put him on the beast. He took him to an inn. 
he, he took care of him there, and he said, now here's money. Whatever you spend more than what I've paid, I'm coming back again, and when I come back, I will repay you and even then some anything that you spend on this man. Let me tell you exactly what Jesus has done. He's interrupted the lives of people like you and I. When we were beat, when we were fallen, when we were stripped, when we were wounded, when we were left for dead in our sins. And coming along the way, he lowered himself. He even gave up his own beast. And he, and he began to minister unto us oil and wine, pouring them into our wounds, healing us, ministering to us by his spirit and then where you find yourself today is you find yourself in the inn look around you if you're wondering where you're at today you're in the inn and the ministry is the innkeeper and it was the the, the certain Samaritan that said I'm going to give you what, what what's needed for now I've paid for this man but whatever you pay beyond this know that I'm coming back again and I will repay I'm going to even pay more than you paid I will repay everything that you've spent to take care of this man. And this, go and do thou likewise. I'm afraid that so often we avoid brotherly love in the moments that it matters. So often we are only concerned with the people that we know. We know their story. We know what they've gone through. We know what they've done. And those are the situations that we're often willing to intervene in. We know that they haven't gone too far. We know that they weren't too guilty. And so in this situation, maybe I can intervene. But doing likewise as the Samaritan did, there are going to come people on your journey that you don't know how they ended up there. You don't know. Maybe he deserved to be there. Maybe he, 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 he did some things to people and those people came and beat him up and left him for dead. I really don't know. And the scripture really doesn't tell us at the end of the day it doesn't matter how he ended up there and it doesn't matter whether or not that he deserved to be there what mattered is he was beaten he was broken he was alone he was stripped he was left for dead and if I'm to do likewise as the Samaritan the Samaritan didn't stop the man and say okay what did you do now, now, now tell me now, what did you do to end up here? And I'll determine whether or not I'm going to help you. How often is that the way that we treat this thing? We, we, we so often say, well, well, you know, people that help themselves, I'll, I'll help those people. And, and that's good. I understand where you're coming from. But the Samaritan didn't stop and ask the man, well, I'll help you if you'll help you. The Samaritan stopped and said, I'll lower myself. I'll, I'll humble myself. I'm not going to ask you questions. I'm not going to label you. I'm going to be about the business of ministering to you and healing you. Go and do that likewise. I imagine at that moment, 
flooding the mind of that lawyer was every man that he had passed by on his journey. Every person that he had looked the other way or crossed to the other side. He really thought he would justify himself by pointing out to the master, hold on, I understand I'm to love my brother as myself, but who's my brother? Or, or rather, who's my neighbor? Uh, may, maybe he didn't have neighbors. Maybe he just had one or two neighbors he liked. We really don't know. But we know that in this moment, as he's told this story, that just as you and I feel today, I'm sure he felt. He thought of the man that was standing by the way that needed help, and he passed by. He thought about the situation that he saw that he didn't intervene in, and he passed by. He thought about the beggar when he looked the other way and he passed by and Jesus in telling this story showed him that he didn't have the luxury of saying who was or who wasn't his neighbor when he passed by someone that was broken when he passed by someone that was in trouble when he passed by somebody that was hurting it was the neighbor that ministered to them it was the neighbor to them that would was busy about the business of healing We, we, we can't have a, 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 a me and my three mindset. You're a good-looking church today, a beautiful church, a beautiful building, nice, nice um, delivered people. And I really mean that, delivered people. Look, look around. Look at the testimonies in this room. Look how the Lord has, how he cleaned you up and he set you on your way. Look, look, how, look around how he put you in the end. Think about the time that he, 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 he saw your wounds and he ministered to you and he poured into those wounds his spirit and his presence. Wonderful, what a wonderful, beautiful church. What a promising church. What an amazing city to be in where there are so many people that need the Lord. But don't get it twisted for a moment. We can't just be busy about the business of keeping the end. He put us in the end. Now, my job's not just to make sure the end looks nice and the end, end's ready and the, ends feel, the end feels nice. Certainly, that's an important part of keeping the end. But he put him in the end so that he could heal. And he told this lawyer, go and do the very same thing that this Samaritan did. I can't help but feel that whoever that man was that was placed in the inn to heal, that once he was healed, he would have come out of the inn with the very same purpose. He's brought you to the inn. He's done amazing things in your life. So many here have such amazing testimonies, but don't be like this lawyer saying, I'm only going to concern myself of the people that I call brother and the people that I call sister. But we've got to busy ourselves about the work of being a neighbor to those that are afflicted, to those that are alone, to those that haven't even yet entered the house of God. 
We don't have the luxury of saying, well, I'll help them once they come. Well, I'll minister to them once they enter. We've got to go out and compel them to come. We've got to go out into the city and find those that are hurting and find those that are beaten and broken and minister to them. We can become so so proud of who we are in that we're in the church and we're a blessed church and and, and we serve a good God and, 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 and come and join us, come and join us, come and join us. But in that moment, the man that the Samaritan came across wasn't able to bring himself to the end. He didn't have the strength to bring himself to the end. Having lied there, he probably would have died there if the Samaritan hadn't met him on his journey. There are people in the city that don't have the ability to bring themselves to the end. There are people in the city that maybe they even would bring themselves to the end, but they're not even sure where the inn is or which inn to go to. We've got to be the ones that meet them on their journey. We don't have the luxury of stepping to the side and avoiding the uncomfortability that, that evangelism mandates. We've got to get uncomfortable. We've got to put ourselves in situations that we lower ourselves. It required the Samaritan to give up his own beast and walk the journey while the man was carried on the beast. Talk about the humility of that Samaritan. His willingness to walk alongside it so that the man could be carried. Hey, I've got to lower myself. I've got to be willing to give up whatever I've got to give up to be busy about being a neighbor to those that are in need. As, as we continue in this passage in Luke 10, we're taken to what seems like a different story. And in many ways, it is a different story. But it continues in such a similar theme. Go quickly with me, Luke 10 and, and, and verse 38. This is just after the story of the Samaritan where he calls the man to do likewise. And we meet Martha and Mary. Now, it came to pass as they went that he entered into a certain village. And a certain woman named Martha received him into her house. She had a, a sister called Mary, which also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. But Martha was cumbered about much serving, came to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Bitter, therefore, that she helped me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha. Thou art careful and troubled about so many things, but one thing is needful, and Mary hath chosen that good part, which shall not be taken away from her. I think about the Levi that we just read about, and I think about the priests that preoccupied themselves with their own destination and preoccupied themselves with their own journey and preoccupied themselves with their own deadlines that they passed through on the other side to avoid what was right before them. In this very same way, we meet Martha and we meet Mary. Mary was found at the feet of Jesus. This Mary of Bethany was so, so excited to have Jesus there that she cleaved to his every word 
There's even a point where she calls him rabbi as she asks a question. It, it was kind of out of line in that day, this woman Mary. She should have been attending to the things that needed attending to for hosting, and she should have been concerned about those things. Certainly in that day, it wasn't standard for women to make themselves disciples. But Mary understood something different about this rabbi and different about this man. And she is found at the feet of Jesus. In the meanwhile, Martha is busy in the kitchen. Martha's busy preparing the tea. Martha's got so many things going on. She's worried that she's not going to get it done on time. She's troubled. She's concerned. She, she's stressed out. She's anxious. And she's angry at Martha. Or, or, or rather at Mary. And, and what we find is, is she's so angry, she steps out of line. She loses sight of what it meant to host Jesus the whole time. She calls Jesus right into the middle of their family dynamic, their, their, inter, their interpersonal troubles. And she says, Jesus, don't you see that, that Mary has left me to have to serve by myself? Imagine Mary sitting there feeling so uncomfortable. Jesus, won't you tell her to come in this kitchen and help me get ready? And Jesus speaks to her and he says, Martha, Martha. So patiently, he calls her attention. He says, Martha, he says, he says you're troubled with so many things. You're, you, the, the word literally means distracted, called away. Her, her, she was elsewhere, troubled with so many things. You've got so much on your mind. But Mary has chosen the good thing. Mary is seated at my feet. Mary is exactly where she's supposed to be. Mary is hearing my word. And Mary is hearing my commandments. And Mary, Mary is hearing what she must do. And Mary is hearing where she must go. Yet in the meanwhile, Martha's busy. Martha's serving. The word is literally the same Greek word as ministry. She's busy about the ministry. She's got all kinds of things she's concerned about. But she's forgetting the purpose of it all. To sit at the feet of Jesus and do what he says to do. And go where he says to go. And minister to who he says minister to. And, 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 and beckon for every word and every call of Jesus. Jesus, the Levite, the priest were concerned with their own journey. They knew where they were going. They avoided the man. They said, nobody's going to stop me on my journey. I know exactly where I'm heading. I don't want to ever get that, that spirit in the house of God. I know who I am. I know where I go, and I know where I, I'm heading, and I don't have time for anybody that's left by the wayside. I've got busy things to do. M Martha was so busy with these minute details. She was busy making the tea. She was busy in the kitchen. She was busy doing all these things. But she missed the fact that Jesus was right there, ready to speak to her, ready to talk to her, ready to tell her where to go, ready to tell her who to go to. Let's not be so busy about the house of God and so busy about the work of the house of God and so busy about the details that we forget that there is a God that wants to spend time with us. He wants to speak to us. And out of that, he's going to tell us where to go. He's going to tell us who to go to. He's going to put us in situations where there are people by the wayside. And we can't be so distracted 
I think at times, I hope this is okay today. I think at times that I've been in a grocery store and I saw somebody and, 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 and I knew the Lord was dealing with me to minister to them. And I did what so often we do. All right, God, well, if this is you, then let me turn down the next aisle. And if I turn down the next aisle and they turn down that aisle, then, then I'll know this was you, God, and I'll do what you're asking me to do. So busy about my own plans. So busy about my own pride. So, so busy about the things that I've got going on. We've got to lay those things down to the side and say, God has put me here to be in his presence and to minister his presence to other people. We've got to let them interrupt our schedules. We've got to let them interrupt our journey. When we're at the grocery store today and you're getting Doritos for tonight, you've got to let them interrupt your Super Bowl when somebody's standing there and the Lord is quickening you to minister to them. At that point, my plans don't matter. At that point, the Super Bowl doesn't matter. My Doritos don't matter. And how big the line's getting doesn't matter because God's put me on someone's journey. I want you to stand with me across this room and lift your hands to the Lord. Lord, we don't have time to waste. God, you've, you've shown us the way that we can so often be busy about so many other things. But Lord, we feel your call today to do as Mary did and be in your presence. To do as Mary did and receive your call of what we're to do, how we're to live, where we're to go, who we're to go to. I pray in the name of the Lord that you would interrupt our journey today, that you would interrupt all of our preoccupations and all the things we've got going on and the programs we've busied ourselves with so that you can speak, so that you can work, so that you can move in this assembly and in this city. Come on, lift up your own voice to the Lord and commit yourself to him today. God, forgive me. Forgive me when I've been occupied in other places. Forgive me, Lord, when my mind is elsewhere, when people are right in front of me to be ministered to. Hallelujah, Jesus. Come on, if the Lord's speaking to you today, I just want to invite you to consecrate to him and find a place that you can say, God, I'm giving myself back to you. I'm not going to do as the priest or the Levite. I'm not going to pass by distracted on my own journey. God, I want to do your work. I want to be busy about your business. I want to do likewise as the Samaritan. Come on, he's speaking to hearts today. You know who you are and you know what he's saying. He's calling us to do likewise. He's calling, calling us to lower ourselves. Come on, they're going to begin to sing and worship today. Let's find a place of prayer that the Lord can talk to us. Let's find a place where the Lord can minister to us. God, we need you. We need your direction. We need your help. We need you to quicken us. We need you to strengthen us, God. So 
sacrifice, expecting nothing.